Hello and welcome to Grace Life Sir Lowry's Pass. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. So, today we are continuing with our um, series on the book of, or the letter of, the Romans. Okay. But before we dig into the word, I would like to watch a short video from the Bible Project about the letter to the Romans. It gives us a nice overview of the whole picture. Okay. So it's an illustrated video. So don't get distracted by the pictures, but listen to what he is saying. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> So I trust that that blessed you, gave us a little bit of background, uh, background information about Paul's life and also why he wrote the letter to the Romans. Uh, but what I really liked from the video was the summary that he made in the end, the four points. Okay, it is a very good summary of the first four chapters of Romans. In one, Paul basically shows that all people are trapped in sin. And they need to be rescued, no? By rescue, we mean saved. Saved by Jesus, no? And then in chapter 2, we cannot rescue ourselves by trying to obey the law, no? Or trying to be a good person. That is what Paul shows in Romans chapter 2. Um, and then in chapter 3, we are rescued or saved by God Himself. Through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, and his resurrection. Amen. That is that is how we are rescued. And then in chapter 4, and we haven't gotten to chapter 4 yet, but in essence it is Paul talking about God creating a new family from all the people of the earth. Okay? Not just the Jews. The Jews thought that they were going to be this special family alone. But God's idea from the beginning was that all people of the earth, you know, will be made his family. <clears throat> we are made a part of this family by faith when we believe the gospel. Amen. So it's not about who you are, it's not about whose blood is in your veins, who you are according to your culture. It is whether you believe or not. No? Okay. So Christus shared last Sunday from the first portion of chapter 3, Romans chapter 3. And a key verse from Christus' message for me is Romans 3 verse 9. Romans 3 verse 9. You can open up your Bibles there. And we can study together. Romans 3 verse 9. Yes, exactly. Romans 3 verse 9 says, Well then, should we conclude that, the, uh, that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. Okay? So all people were under the power of sin. All people have the same problem. Right? 
Ons allemaal is in diezelfde boekje. All people are in the same lifeboat, drifting in the ocean, needing for for someone to come and save us. Um, and therefore, we all need the same solution to our problem. No? All people are equal in that terrible way, in the sense that we are all under sin and death. Okay. No one has the right to think more highly of themselves than any other person. The Jews thought they were better than other people because they had the law. But like we saw in the video now, and like Paul says, that we are all under sin. And that the Jews were even more guilty because they had the law. They had the Torah. No? The Torah, do you know what the Torah is? It is the first four books of the Bible. First five, Genesis, Exodus. Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Okay, that, uh, that is what God gave them as a nation <coughs> in the early days of Moses. So, because they got that revelation from God, they thought that they were more special than the rest. But it made them actually more guilty. Okay, but all people are guilty and, and, and under the power of sin and death. Okay. <clears throat> and then also, uh, the other scripture that stood out to me was Romans 3 verse 19. Romans 3 verse 19, that Christus shared. It says in 3 verse 19, Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given. For its purpose, the purpose of the law, is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Wow. There are people in this world that believe opposite of this. They believe that they can be made right with God by doing what the law commands. I, I, and they are, they are in churches. Churches just like us with Bibles, just like ours. And they do not understand these verses. I don't know how. It's very, it's actually, it's funny, but it's sad. How can you read, how can you have these scriptures and still think you need to keep the law in order to be made right with God? It says here, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. That is the sole purpose of the law. The sole purpose of the law. I like how this verse just makes it so clear what the purpose of the law is. It is to show the world exactly what verse 9 talks about. That we just read. That everyone is guilty before God. No one is good enough. No one can save themselves. It shows us how sinful we are. Galatians 3 verse 22. Or how sinful we were, if you are a believer now. Ne? You were sinful. You were a sinner. But once you believe in Jesus, you are? You are a believer, yes. And that means that you are holy and righteous. Ne? Amen. Galatians 3 verse 22 says... But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. Prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom 
only by believing in Jesus Christ. That's amazing. I got this picture of a doctor. He looks, he looks you over and he diagnoses your sickness. You'll all weet what he would diagnose and diagnose. Okay? <clears throat> this is what the Lord does. The Lord diagnoses your sickness. And your sickness is sin. Eh? You are a sinner. Now do we use the diagnosis as the cure? Can we use the diagnosis to cure ourselves? No. The cure is something different. If you give someone the law, they will end up tired, frustrated, angry, and even fearful. Because with the law, if you don't keep the law, there is punishment. That's how they believe. If you didn't keep the law, punishment and condemnation is what you get. So imagine a person trying to make themselves right with God based on the law. What a, there must be no relationship with God. Fear. Fear is what you get. Fear of judgment. Amen. But that's not who God is. A doctor will prescribe some medication. You will maybe prescribe a pill. In your case, the pill that, or in our case, the pill that we need to get is the gospel. <laughs> the gospel. <laughs> Alright. So, we cannot use the instrument of diagnosis to cure ourselves. We need the medication, the gospel. You understand? <clears throat> and this is what Paul then goes on to explain. The piece of scripture that we will look at this morning is Romans 3 verse 21 to 31. Romans 3 verse 21 to 31. We are going to read through it. Think as we read, think about what stands out to you. Okay. Romans 3 verse 21. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law. Without. Ne? Without. That means not with it. Not with the law. Keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life shedding His blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when He held back <clears throat> and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and, and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. 
Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? What do you think? Can we boast that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No. Because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Huge revelation. Huge revelation. For us, we know this already, no? But believe me, this is a huge revelation for many people. After all, it is, uh, sorry, after all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't He also the God of the Gentiles? Of course He is. There is only one God, and He makes people right with Himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean we can forget about the law? Can we just now live whatever, live in sin? Can we just ignore the laws? No, no of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Amen. I'm going to go from Romans 3 verse 21 and we are going to look at all the scriptures and I'm going to talk a little bit about that and explain. But it's quite straightforward. Yeah? Okay, so Romans 3 verse 21 says, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. Okay. So we see now that Paul made clear what the problem is. And then he introduced the solution to the problem. The cure after the diagnosis. Okay. Which is the gospel. The same books that contain the law of Moses also contain hundreds of prophecies about Jesus and how He will come to free the world of the sin problem. He says there in, 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 in the end of verse 21, um, As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Okay, so that is where the gospel has already been promised. It is so sad that the Jews and many others see only the law when they read the old scriptures, they hold on. Uh, they hold on to the law. They don't look for Jesus in the Old Testament. But Jesus is all everywhere in the Old Testament. Yeah? There are pictures and shadows of him all over the place. Listen to what Jesus says to the Jewish leaders, John five verse thirty nine. John five verse thirty nine. Jesus is speaking to the Jewish leaders in John 5 verse 39 and he says, You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. So if Jesus says the scriptures and if Paul says the scriptures as it is written in the scriptures, then we know he is talking about Genesis 2. Malachi, okay? That is the Old Testament, what we know as the Old Testament. Okay? 
The scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. And then John 5 verse 45 is just a few verses down. Jesus says, Yet it isn't I who will accuse you before the Father. Moses will accuse you. Yes, Moses in whom you put your hopes. If you really believed Moses, you would believe me. Because he wrote about me. Moses wrote about me, says Jesus. But since you don't believe what he wrote, how will you believe what I say? Okay. So they believe that the scriptures would give them eternal life. Having these scriptures, reading these scriptures, memorizing these scriptures. Um, they held on to these scriptures. They even, um, they would write scriptures on blocks of wood. And they would tie it around their heads so that this thing, the scripture would be here on their forehead. And they would tie scriptures on their hands uh, and tie it on their bodies, <laughs> believing that this will give them eternal life. Okay? I know it has a deeper meaning, them uh, putting the scriptures on their foreheads and on their hands. It means they are thinking about the scriptures, but... It shows you that they held on to the scriptures, okay? And they thought that studying the scriptures is what will give them eternal life. It is like having a Bible and believing that you are saved because you have a Bible. Or having a Bible and putting it under your pillow and sleeping on your, <laughs> on your, on your Bible. It's like s s simple, stupid little beigeloof. What is a beigeloof? I, I think you know what I mean. They believe that keeping the law would give them eternal life. But here Jesus makes it clear that it has always been about faith in Him. Moses wrote about Jesus. Here is one example from the book of Deuteronomy. It is the fifth book of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Huh? Genesis, Exodus, Numbers. Huh? I'm missing a book there. Ah, yes. Okay, so I missed I missed numbers there. Thank you, Alistair. It's numbers, yeah. And then so Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the of the Torah. Okay, those first five books is what the Jews call the Torah, no? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Okay, so we are going to look at what Moses wrote about Jesus in Deuteronomy. The, uh, Deuteronomy 18 verse 15. Deuteronomy 18 verse 15. <clears throat> Are you there? Deuteronomy 18 verse 15. Moses continued, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. For this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord your God when you were assembled at Mount Sinai. You said, Don't let us hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, or see this blazing fire. For we will die. 
Then the Lord said to me, What they have said is right. I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell the people everything I command him. I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the messages the prophet uh, proclaims on my behalf. So, who is Moses talking about here? He's talking about Jesus, ne? Moses is recording what God said to him, and what Moses then said to the Israelites. The prophet will come from their own nation, ne? There were many prophets that came from the nation of Israel, so they probably thought that um, this prophet that God and Moses speaks about had already come. There is a long list of prophets in the old scriptures, but each one of them pointed ahead every time. Every time a new prophet came, he pointed to the future. Okay? He pointed forward in time to the one who would come to save the world from sin and death. This prophecy was about Jesus. Like Paul said, Jesus was born in his earthly life into King David's family line. Eh? In Romans 1 verse 3, we see that. Would anyone like to read for me Romans 1 verse 3? Yeah, in Deuteronomy, he says it will come from the family of Israel. Eh? Yes. Romans 1 verse 3. Yes, there we go. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line. And this prophecy from Moses says, I will raise up a prophet like you from among your fellow Israelites. Okay, so there we see. This is pointing to Jesus. Né? <clears throat> um, God also says, you must listen to him. In Deuteronomy verse 15. Moses says, um, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Okay, this makes me think of the Mount of Transfiguration. Okay, in Matthew 17 verse 1. Matthew 17 verse 1. Matthew 17 verse 1. Matthew 17 verse 1 says, Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed, so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes uh, became as white as light. Suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it is wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I will make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. What does he say then? Listen to Him. 
listen to him. It's the same words that Moses used there in Deuteronomy. You must listen to him. Okay, so Moses appearing with Elijah, with Jesus on the mountain, represents, Moses represents the law, and Elijah represents the prophets. Okay, but what does God say? Who should these disciples listen to? To Jesus. No? Okay, then the prophecy in Deuteronomy also said that this prophet will only say what God commands him. No? Did we see that in Deuteronomy? Uh, I will raise up a prophet like you from among the fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell the people everything I command him. Okay. So let's see how Jesus fulfills that prophecy. In John 21 verse 44. John 21 verse 44. Jesus shouted to the crowds, If you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. If we see Jesus, we see God. No? Because Jesus was God. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world, so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. I will not judge those who hear me, but don't obey me. They hear, but they don't obey, no? For I have come to save the world and not to judge it. But all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. I don't speak, listen to what Jesus says here. I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know that his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Wow. So just like the prophecy in Deuteronomy said, Jesus only said what the Father wanted him to say. And even how to say it. Some people have rejected the writings of the Apostle Paul. They say that he was not one of the original disciples. He preaches hyper-grace. His teachings are not in line with what Jesus taught. That is not true. Here we can see that Paul and Jesus agree 100%. Salvation comes when we accept, believe and trust in Jesus and His message. If you hear the message and obey, what does that mean? It means you believe the message, no? Obeying the message, obeying the gospel is believing the gospel, okay? You will be saved. If you reject Jesus and his message, you will be judged as not righteous. Because you are not one with the righteous one. You understand? We are righteous. Not because of anything that we do. We are right with God. Not because of anything we do. But because of what Jesus has done. Jesus is righteous. Jesus did right. You understand? Jesus did what was right. And because we are one with him. We are righteous. Okay, so let's go back to Romans 3. 
Romans 3, verse 23, we are now at. The Jews search the scriptures to find out what they can do to get eternal life. But the scriptures point to the one that is eternal life. Amen. Eternal life is not in words. Eternal life is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Romans 3 verse 23 says, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. That is beautiful. God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ when Jesus, uh, through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. Okay, so Romans 3 verse 23 is a very well-known scripture verse. No? The King James says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That gives that scripture a much deeper meaning. Okay, And we'll look at it now. But we have indeed fallen short of God's glorious standard. Because God's standard is perfect holiness. That is the standard for God. Why is it God's standard? Because He is 100% holy. He is holiness. He is 100% sinless. He is perfect. He is justice. And He is righteousness. Only Jesus, which is God Himself, measured up to that standard. The Bible says that when Jesus lived on the earth, He never sinned. And never was there ever a lie found in his mouth. It's like jumping to reach the ceiling. I won't jump and reach the ceiling because I can actually reach the ceiling. But if we had a, a child here, mm. eh? can anyone, well, any one of you would also probably struggle to reach the ceiling. Huh? Let's see, let's see. And they phone spring in the background. Okay. Let's pretend that the roof is hundred meters high, okay? <laughs> you can jump as hard and as high as you can. You will not reach it. And that is what it's talking about here. God's standard is unattainable by us. Why? Because we are in sin, eh? No matter high, how high you jump, you can't reach it. Many times you are going to try and reach... Huh? How many times are you going to try and reach it? Any normal person with a healthy brain is going to stop trying after the first or second jump. <laughs> Let's apply that concept to these spiritual truths. No matter how much you perform, no matter... Uh, how good you try to be, no matter how many laws you think you can keep, you just cannot reach the level of perfection that God requires. We fall short. That is what it means. You cannot reach it. You will every time fall short if you depend on your own performance. Do you understand? But we can also look at the verse in Romans 3 verse 23 and interpret it in this way we all come short of the glory of God the word glory in the Old Testament also referred uh, to the very presence of God 
you will sometimes hear someone say, the glory of God has entered the building or whatever. Yeah? The glory is here. That is referring to, and even in the Old Testament, when they set up the temple and the Ark of the Covenant was put into the most holy place, the, the presence of God would come and hover over this, uh, this temple and go in into the Holy of Holies. And it was said that God's presence rested on the Ark of the Covenant. You know what the Ark of the Covenant is? Okay. It was a box where they put in the, the, the staff of Aaron, the Ten Commandments, the stone tablets. So that was them carrying the presence of God with them. Okay. So, but that presence and the word glory is, is many times linked together. Okay. So, um, Paul could also be saying that we are without the presence of God in Romans 3 verse 23. We, are, uh, we fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of the presence of God. But when we believe, we receive the Holy Spirit, who, God himself, uh, who is God himself in us, becoming one with us. The Holy Spirit in us do not fall short of God's standards. When we are born again, we no longer fall short of the standard that God has set. And we also do not fall short of His glorious presence. So then the glory of God enters us. Amen. When we become the, the Old Testament temple, you know, you become the temple of God. His, His glory enters you. Because you are now his body. Okay, Romans uh, 3 verse 25. Romans 3 verse 25. So we see that we, we, Romans 3 verse 23 says that we lack the glory of God, we lack His presence, we lack His Spirit, and because we lack His Spirit, we also lack His standard, the standard of holiness. You understand? Okay. Verse 25, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Who's that talking about? Those who sinned in times past. That is talking about all of the believers in the Old Testament. All the people, in fact, not just the believers, all people before Jesus came to earth and died on the cross. That is what he is talking about here. Okay, He did not punish them for their sins. Why didn't he punish them for their sins? Because? Yeah, he waited... For Jesus to come. Okay. Their sins. Our sins. All of humanity's sins. Was in Christ. Yeah? Jesus paid for it all. And that shows us how fair God was. Or is. Shows that God was being fair. When he held back. And did not punish those who sinned in times past. Verse 26. For he was looking ahead. And including them. In what he would do in this present time. 
God did this to demonstrate His righteousness, for He Himself is fair and just, and He makes sinners right in His sight when they believe in Jesus. That is so clear to understand. It is so simple. You need someone to help you misunderstand this. We are made right with God when we believe the gospel. If you believe that, then you can go out and you can tell anyone else that. No? You can go and carry out the message and people will be born again. But why did Jesus have to be a sacrifice? Why did he have to shed his blood? Leviticus 17 verse 11. Leviticus 17 verse 11. This is why Jesus had to die and shed his blood. Okay? Leviticus 17 verse 11 says, For the life of the body is in the blood. Okay? The life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood of the altar to purify you. To purify, that means to make you pure, to make you holy. Making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. Okay? So blood represents life. Yes, blood represents life. The blood of animals could not completely purify us as human beings. The life of an animal is not equal to the life of a human. A human life is equal to a human life. Ne? Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. That is why God Himself, that is why God had to become a human being. So that He could give up His own life to make us pure and holy. Wow. Because we are all under sin, we are all under death as well. Sin brings death. So what God came and did was to take our place. He took that death. Okay? In our place. He took our sin. And He gave, his, he gave us His life. So that we don't have to give our lives. Okay? We deserve to die. Because, of, because we are under sin and death. You understand? If we were to die, if a human being were to die in the place of all humanity, he would just be dying for his own sin. Do you understand? But God was perfect. Jesus was perfect. He obeyed every law. He was holy. He was God. So he died in the form of a human. For us. Okay? You understand? This is why Jesus had to die. This verse in Leviticus talks about animal sacrifices. But it is also pointing forward to the sacrifice that God came to make for us. It is a shadow of the true reality. Hebrews 10 explains this beautifully for us. So Hebrews 10. Go to Hebrews 10. Many people hear about Jesus or God sacrificing His own Son and they think, wow, 
what a terrible, what a terrible God this must be, that He sacrifices His own Son. This is children abuse here. <laughs> I don't want to worship a God that abuses His children, but that is not at all what it's all about. No? God Himself came, and His name was Jesus. You understand? It was not a father sacrificing his own son. It was God himself sacrificing himself, dying, laying himself down for those he loved. I'm almost finished, guys. I see Anthea is showing me her watch. I will, I will, we will finish soon. Okay, so this verse in Leviticus talks about animal sacrifices. But it is also pointing forward to the sacrifice that God came to make for us. You see, it is a picture of Jesus. It is a shadow of the true reality. Hebrews 10 verse 8. First, Christ said, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or any other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. The sacrifices were required by the law of Moses. Then he said, Look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us. Listen to this. You must, you must, if there's anything that you receive this morning, this is it. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the holy, oh, sorry, by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once. For all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again. This is how it was in the Old Testament. Eh? Same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sin. Good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. The sacrifices of animals' lives were shadows pointing to the true sacrifice that purifies people forever. Jesus is sacrifice. Jesus died for you. You are pure and holy forever. Even if you do something bad now, if you believe in Jesus, you are holy. You are pure. Because it is not what we do. It is what Jesus has done. Eh? Um, the end of Romans 3 verse 25 says, This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when He held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. The animal sacrifices was temporary until God came to give himself as the final sacrifice. Romans 3 verse 27 says, and we are finishing off. Romans 3 verse 27. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No. Because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? 
Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. I think we have heard this so many times now this morning, that we are made right with God through faith. Let no one convince you otherwise. Let no one convince you otherwise. You can be certain that this is the truth. No? All people have, made, have been made right with God through faith. Those who live before the cross and those who live after the cross, all are made right by the sacrifice of the one offering of life. God is not bound by time. He sits in eternity, looking down on the timeline of human history. He can see the beginning and the end at the same time. Jesus' sacrifice is seen by God from that eternal perspective. Okay. I looked at the meaning of the word boast in verse 27. The word boast. He says, can anyone boast? No. It means to literally praise yourself. If you boast in your own works, you praise yourself. When we depend or trust in our performance to be saved or to stay saved, we are not praising God, we are praising ourselves. That is called idolatry. You are denying what God did for you if you depend on your own works. If you depend on your own ability to, to keep the law. Instead of praising God, you are praising yourself. You depend on yourself for salvation. You make yourself your own God. That is why Paul wrote such a strong letter to the Galatians. Who were turning away from Jesus towards keeping the law. Romans 3 verse 31 well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. So stop trying to, to, to keep the laws. Have faith and you fulfill all the laws. You fulfill every single commandment. You know the Ten Commandments? You don't have to learn them by heart. You don't have to memorize them. Just believe. Follow the one command that Jesus gave you. Believe in me. Believe in the one whom God has sent. Then you fulfill the whole law. We keep the law not by trying to obey every commandment. Jesus did that for us on our behalf. We keep the law when we have faith. Because when we have faith, we have the perfect law keeper. On the inside of us, we cannot fulfill the law in any other way. Jesus fulfilled the law. We cannot do it. Amen. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Solaris Pass area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca.